1: Welcome to Basic Folk, where we have honest conversations with folk musicians. It's Cindy Howes. I am the host of this podcast. It's so wonderful to have you here today. We have Maya DeVitri on the pod today going track by track through her new album, Violet Lights. Before we get into that, a couple of reminders about how you can support this listener-supported podcast. So there's a few ways that you can support us. You can make a financial contribution at BasicFolk.com under the Donate button. If you donate at least $5 a month or $60 for the year, you'll gain access to Backstage, which is our monthly very fun and cool bonus content. This month for Backstage, we actually have something really amazing posted if you are a Maya Divitri fan. Uh, Maya, Lizzie No, who is the guest host of Basic Folk, and I all got together for a fun friend chat and played DJ for each other sharing our favorite dog songs in honor of Maya's new song, Dogs Run On, and also our favorite songs in Spanish because Maya is earning her degree in Spanish and I like to pretend I'm fluent. That's up at Backstage Now. We'll actually post a preview in the feed in a couple of days that you can check out and join us backstage with a generous contribution of $5 a month. And also, if you give $5 a month right now, you can get a handmade basic folk beanie handmade hats made by my mom, Pat House, and they have a little hipster basic folk uh, label sewn onto them and they're very sweet. So five dollars a month gets you access to Backstage, you can get a basic folk beanie, and you're supporting this very fun and cute Folk Podcast, And you can do all of that at basicfolk.com. That's also where you can sign up for our monthly newsletter. And we also send out a couple updates here and there, but, you know, nothing too overwhelming. Sign up for our newsletter. You can also follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at basicfolkpod. Stay in touch with us. You can also leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can tell a friend. You could forward this episode to a friend which is something I love to do Uh, when I'm listening to a podcast like halfway through. I'm like sending it to like seven people. I'm like, you would like this podcast. You could do that or you can keep on, you know, listening and loving the podcast and loving life. That is also great. Okay. Maya DeVitri released her third solo record, Violet Light, earlier this year. And I, for one, am happy that my fiance has a new Maya record to play endlessly in our house. LOL, JK. I love Maya, and this album is perfect. Maya's originally from Lancaster, PA, where she lived and met the performers of her old band, The Stray Birds. Since the dissolution of The Birds, she's been incredibly prolific with all these solo albums, co writes, and the like. If you're not familiar this record is a great intro into the genius of one of the greatest musicians on the scene today the vibes i'm getting from this record are like john prine patty griffin and of course gillian welch dave rawlings and we are digging in i'm so happy maya was up for going through this beauty of a record track by track it's a brilliant collection of songs that subtly knocks you to the ground over the course of its 11 tracks Produced at home with her partner, the much-in-demand bassist and producer Ethan Yojevitz, who's worked with the Milk Carton Kids, Sierra Hull, Eva O'Donovan, Daryl Anger, Tony Trishka, and many more, Violet Light actually contains a ton of collaborations from Maya's extensive musical community. This includes her own family. Her siblings all collaborated for the very first time on tape for the song Real Time, Real Tears about losing a favorite uncle. Yeah, you try not crying during that one. Anywho, it feels like a gift to be able to turn these songs over and over, contemplate their meaning, their creation, and then be able to talk directly to the brains behind it all. I implore you to go check out this whole episode and then go buy Maya's new album, preferably on Bandcamp. Support an independent artist whose music is meaningful and worth getting paid for. She's a once-in-a-lifetime artist. So excited to dig into this. Let's go track-by-track on Violet Light with Maya DeVitri on Basic Folk. All right, cool. Maya, it's so awesome to see you. Thanks for being on Basic Folk. Thanks for having me, Cindy. I'm so happy to see you, too. Uh, so before we launch into this record I read that you are working or maybe have completed a Spanish language degree
0: yeah I'm working on it I'm not taking any classes this spring semester because I'm really sick of zoom except for talking to you today
1: (laughs) but oh yeah (laughs) obviously the one exception yeah but I
0: um yeah I'm working on it and I have two classes to go one more Spanish literature class and a science class.
1: Muy bien.
0: <laughs> Gracias.
1: <laughs> what made you want to go after that, and uh, like, what has it done for your brain? What has it done for your like overall energy? And has it like impacted music for you at all?
0: I mean, I've always been really, really interested in language and like just the idea that there's other ways people describe the world other than like the English words that I grew up with. And I grew up with a lot of French relatives and people who spoke other languages at family reunions and stuff. And then when I was getting to travel, um, with music and first busking around, but then touring too, I would, you know, go to Spanish speaking countries or French speaking countries and like just be immersed and spend time with families. And so I've, you know, I've really wanted to finish a college degree cause I started, um, studying like liberal arts and music when I was, like 19, 20 years old, and then just never Mm -hmm. finished it. And, yeah, I was, I think most of my study of language was just really, like, informal, the way that, like, a kid would learn, you know, like, hanging out with people around a kitchen table. Mm -hmm. I I just wanted to, like, get in deeper and take Spanish grammar classes and, and literature classes. And I've also, I mean, it's also been a way for me to, like, think about the bigness of the world, During COVID, and Mm -hmm. like I've been, I'm not gonna go like live abroad right now or spend spend time traveling like crossing borders and doing customs and stuff. But I was meeting one on one for like almost a whole year with a a Spanish teacher who lives in Guatemala, and so like Mm. just we became friends. Like you know, speaking to each other a couple times a week, and just you know, really, I was just really committed to trying to understand like what life was like mm. there and and it was like this constant perspective that was different than any kind of news I was getting here or mm. um and it just it just for my as far as what it did to my brain it just you know it just it's just always like another I don't know like another option of like an alternate world or something like it's it's already cool for me to think that like everybody's experience of the world is like our it's like our own thing in our own head but then there's just truly like entire other languages and cultures and, and words and concepts that people have for the experience of like being a human and hmm. that's like very interesting to me
1: what about like in your writing um in terms of like learning the pronunciation and the like rhythm of the way like somebody from Guatemala might speak, like, do you see that coming out in your writing or even in your own speaking? I I do see it come out in like
0: the my ear, like the sharpness of my ear to be attuned to things like that or to be attuned to the way people use language or actually like it really it really helps me to tune into the most precise way to say something sometimes Hmm. because there's so, or like to be very, very aware of like what is like, what is figurative language in in English or like, what are these like expressions and things that are just so second nature to us that, that would be very like difficult to translate. It just makes me more aware of, of language in general and like how to be, Mm To how, to how to like what's the clearest way to say what you want to say to someone, yeah, and it it, it helps me write emails more clearly because I, oh, that's cool. you know, just even something like that in English, like it, it'll help me just with the way that I think about writing a single sentence because I'm aware of like how the language is functioning more.
1: Hmm. Wow, I could talk to you like all day about. <laughs> This particular topic, but we are here to talk about your new album, Violet Light. The way this album was recorded is very collaborative. You know what? I've never actually said Ethan's last name out loud. How do you say it? It's Yojevitz. So you and Ethan Yojevitz produced the album at home, Ethan created a home studio during the pandemic uh, because he's like a pretty prolific upright bass player uh, and has had to make recordings at home. Each track features its own band. How did that aspect and how did the vibe of like the way the album was created impact your spirits during the pandemic and excitement for producing these songs?
0: It was a really elevating experience to, to have to visit each of these songs and get into the headspace of the song like many times over because we would first have to get in you know first we would get my part just most of these songs started with just me playing and singing guitar and kind of having to like imagine the rest of the parts all there and and so that felt like the the most pandemicness of it was like, you know, just being alone, the two of us in in this basement room, um, like, okay, uh, here we go. <laughs> We're starting an album <laughs> and then and then but then trusting uh, trusting that I could that I could sing, that I could embody the songs like and give what the songs needed trusting that i could do that like in that sort of empty space feeling of mm-hmm. like this abyss like i hope that the other stuff yeah. sounds good when it all comes together and and then trusting that everybody in the process could kind of rise to that occasion of recording remotely mm-hmm. too and and because a lot of the, a lot of people were able to come over and actually come into the basement and and record here and Ethan and i could produce them you know face to face in a way and uh, some of the some of the people were were far away and we got together on FaceTime or Zoom and and when worked with them that way, um, it, it all like allowed for these really individual. Like moments, you know, like like. You know, we got to like mm-hmm. hang out with Kaya Cater, like one on one, for Dang. you know, for a couple time, <laughs> a couple times throughout the pandemic, just working on honing in her harmony part on "Leftover Tears," and we worked with um, uh, Thor Davidson, this uh, amazing, amazing harmonica player who who plays on the song "Margaret," and he he was recording, you know, in Iceland, and so you know, getting to check in with him. It was like, and and every time we would work with somebody who was tracking remotely, it would start out with like, so how are you? Like, what's going on? Like, what else, you know, what are you doing with your days? And how are you feeling? And just such a different process than a typical session, you know, where the band is all there and you just you track a couple songs in a day and you never really get one-on-one time with people like that in a studio because it's kind of all getting in this collective headspace. Honestly, for me to be for Ethan and I to be co-producing this, it was kind of a gift to us to be able to do that do it this way because you know, we could have a drummer over to to be tracking drums on on one song and we were just focused on that one song and just producing that those sounds for that day and that was what like that afternoon was dedicated to and it really really elevated my ear my sense of listening and my my ability to hear details in in music mm-hmm. and my ability to refine how to talk to people about music and how to communicate with like all these different personalities but like the record it was just it just felt like making a record but in like slow motion some of these songs I mean the all the parts to the song were recorded over the course of a year or something so
1: yeah
0: it was but the whole experience really was a gift and like truly elevating and and to be able to to be able to have a a long-term project just really kept us going it was really Mm. It was a really good thing to put our energy into.
1: Gosh, I love your brain. (laughs) It's a good brain. All right, let's go through the album track by track, Violet Light. Let's start off with the opening number, which is called Flowers. This world was never... track-by-track out, so if anybody is wondering where I'm pulling these quotes and facts from, it's from Maya herself. So you wrote that this is a post-apocalyptic bedtime story between a child and mother, a passed-down memory of a beautiful world. And on this song, you are exploring how loosely we use the word love, and how by love, sometimes we mean control. So, okay, I don't know if you've ever read the book Station Eleven, there's a TV show on HBO uh, based off of the book right now that I actually, like, can't follow, but the book was, like, fabulous. It was about, like, a very, like, um, COVID-19 type of, like, flu pandemic, but it, like, wiped out, like, 70% of the world's population. So I'm listening to this song, and because um, the TV show just came out, I'm, like, thinking that this is the scene but can you actually set the scene for like what this post-apocalyptic world looks like, and why this song needs to take place in that particular setting?
0: Oh wow, um, I'll try. I don't quite know like too many of the details of what it looks like, but I think that it some of it like could even be now, or could be soon, or it's. I, I think it's just like this this weird dark thick oppressive feeling of of how we're so separate from uh, from nature and and like how like we already are and we're you know like i throw something in the trash and it's like that has to go somewhere like it's not like it can just it's not gone just cuz i don't see it anymore i mean i i i work at starbucks like we we throw out an incredible amount of milk jugs like mm. that are supposed to be recycled and we actually, we actually separate them into recycling and trash and then they go out to the dumpster but because the landlord of the shopping center doesn't want to pay for the recycling dumpster or something, they actually just all go in the trash. Like it doesn't mm. matter that they're ever separated because they ultimately all go in the trash. And it's like yeah. it's it's weird. It's like we're like, it's it's such a weird last step of like, okay, this goes in this, and this goes this goes in this bin, and this goes in this bin. But even though we know that like, in like a hundred yards that way, they're gonna go in the same bin. I, you know, like
1: there's some something like, like a facade, like this uh, this show that we put on.
0: Yeah, I don't. Yeah, so I guess, and and I I'm sure that happens in like many places and, and many, many homes. I mean, I do that at home and it's like, we all do it. It's like, we just, there's this point where, I don't know, that's not really answering what it looks like, except that I think in a way that does, it does, I don't know. It does feel yeah. like that. Like when you see a, when you see an overflowing dumpster or something, it's just like, oh my gosh. Like also like, I'm, you know, thinking about touring and, and the, the like super, super hard impact of Getting on a plane to go do like one festival that's like four thousand miles away or something, I think that mm-hmm. that gets haunting after mm-hmm. many years of doing that. It's it's just different, like because it, it it feels like it could just it feels so fragile, like it feels I don't yeah, I don't I don't know. I haven't you know, I don't have like a painting in my mind or, or a video in my mind or something for that song. It's just yeah it's just this feeling of like what are we what are we doing like when are we gonna like actually address and face some of the decisions that we're making Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: like stop with the facade
1: this um observation that i got from flowers it might be a reach but i wanted to like throw it out there and see what you thought Um, listening to the chorus and reading the lyrics, the chorus goes, this world was never mine. This world was never yours. This world has never seen a place treated so unkind and called it love before. To me, that chorus, and this is like the part where I could be like completely reaching, it has a very like this land is your land vibe to it, Mm. which is like a complicated song that Native Americans and a lot of other people see as like a colonist message and excludes First Nations people. Molly Obamswin wrote a really great essay on it for Smithsonian Folkways. There's a really great article on NPR about it. So about flowers, you wrote, I'm exploring the sense of ownership and domination we feel over fragile ecosystems of which we are only a part of. So I'm wondering, like, thinking about what Molly and other First Nations people are saying about this land is your land and what you're saying about these ecosystems which are only a part of do you see how like i'm making that connection and i'm like wondering where that observation lands for you
0: yeah i think that i think that's a good connection i think that that probably the the pacing of that like yeah like this world versus like this land like that does that feels like it probably was like bubbling up somewhere from Mm -hmm. subconsciousness or something from you know knowing that knowing that song um swirling around in my mind and yeah it is kind of a counter to that i guess like that this land isn't our land and it never was and Mm. it we sure aren't treating it as if even if it's not ours we sure aren't treating it as if we love it tell me
1: song is real-time real tears for a little while longer now it just
2: might need to be like this we're going anyway feels like a walk
1: album that made me cry a little bit especially in like reading about it and then having your siblings involved in the song so you wrote this song in the green room at club Hassim where you were sharing a bill with anna Tivol, and you learned that a favorite uncle had died can you it sounds like a, a great family member so can you tell me about your uncle and how you figured, like you wrote the song that night and then you performed it on stage at Club Pass Team. So how did you figure to write a song like this in that moment and how it feels to express grief through song? For me, the like the first thing
0: I wanted to do, this is my Uncle Allie who had, who had passed away really suddenly and, you know, I'd had a couple hours to be thinking about this and, and calling and texting with my family because I had just you know, I got the news, we were on the, the turnpike, like, headed across Massachusetts, and my Uncle Allie was just so incredibly creative, and I, and when I think about, like, creative people, and the people in my life who who I see as the most creative, they're never, they're never necessarily the people who have primarily made a living out of, do, you know, being a musician, or being an artist, or being a playwright or, you know, anything like that. It's, it's like their way of being with the world. And, and my uncle Ali was like, just so, I mean, so creative in every, every aspect of his life. And, and he was a really gifted writer, really gifted illustrator. And, and he collaborated with his, uh, one of his daughters a lot on writing screenplays. And, and she is a, she's a director Yeah, like when I, when I heard about that, it just, it made me, it just made me want to create something. A lot of times there's this long journey of writing something and then kind of having, there's like this protective time and this kind of guarded time where the song is like only belongs to you and it's, you know, it's just, you have it in your head or on your guitar or something and then there's you know maybe a year later a recording comes out or five years later a recording comes out but I just wanted the I wanted the whole process I just wanted to like creative be like raw and creative and just so I finished this song and and then I just wanted to play it like right away and like in the in that moment because that was how I could feel I think like my my reaction to like Lost And grief is often a reminder that I'm alive or something Or like Mm -hmm. a reminder that I'm like, okay, wow, I still get to be here So I'll just pick up that energy that that he can't give anymore And I'll make something Another uncle, another one of my dads My dad comes from a really big family And another one of his brothers just passed away Another very beloved uncle just passed away um, a couple weeks ago um, after so sorry. A, after a really really like brief battle with a very late stage of cancer, that particular uncle was also like incredibly creative and and influential in my life because I remember going over to his my uncle Bob and Aunt Julie's house and and Uncle Bob had a music room, so he had this one room in his house that was entirely dedicated to. You know, he had like guitars and his keyboards and, you know, he would play in the church band and he would like show show me these songs on the guitar. And just I have so many relatives who you know, I don't come from a place where people like decided to try to make a living playing music full time or something just was surrounded by so many creative people who like decided that they were going to have a space to do this thing is I just I have like super deep respect for. Anybody, probably, because it's like what I come from. But I just I have a lot of deep respect for people who just make music a part of their lives and create make creativity a part of their lives in any way, and, and not not necessarily trying to connect it to commerce or you know making a living.
2: Give it an hour. Give it a day.
1: Give it a song.
2: Just something about living without There's just There's no way around Real time and real tears I never dreamed I'd ask what I need now That he could bear
1: to watch If I fall down and I don't come back Out of the ocean
2: laughing
1: The next song is... The banger It's called (laughs) How Bad I Want to Live. And it's a song about appreciating your physical body while on a very dangerous trail in a pretty bad storm. So this happened to you in real life, and you came to realize how much you want to live and had to, like, trust your body to cooperate. This is not the first time that you've appreciated your body in song before, which is, like... It's a pretty cool theme through throughout your solo work but i'm wondering like how in general you appreciated your body before this happened and how did this experience change that relationship
0: yeah i have i have written about it quite a bit it's it feels like a world apart um you know that song better and better that i wrote on uh, like on how to break a fall that is such a literal song for me like i wanted to i like i was in such a negative such a bad self-destructive place at a time in my life that i wanted i thought how this was you know back when i was touring full time with the stray birds and i thought how could i avoid how could i how could i not go on this next tour i don't know if i can go on this tour and i was like well if i broke my arm maybe I wouldn't have to tour. And like, because my head was so messed up in in like what my mm. options were that like, it was like, I was so disconnected from my body. It's still very hard for me to like, even I was like writing about it and, and at the time and recording and singing about it. And now when I look back, because I'm in a healthier place now, I look back and I'm just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, what was I? Like, who was I? And um, yeah, like, how bad I want to live is, like... it. It's, like, I had arrived at this other... I think it was so powerful of a feeling of how bad I want to live on that trail. And, and, like, trusting, like, these arms that I had at one point been, like... Maybe if I just figure out how to break my arm, I won't have to go on tour. Like, that, And I'm on this trail, and, like, my arms are the only reason that I'm, like, here. Because I was holding these hiking poles. And this trail was like, so it was like slick mud, like vertical slick mud, just like down to the ocean. And so we would dig, you had to like dig the poles, like the spikes of the poles into the mud, and then just sort of like launch yourself and then like like dig them again. But because they have these points on the bottom of the poles and like you could make it across, yeah, I mean, like all of the weight of my body and like my life, like, was trusting my arms, like, trusting these arms that I, at one point, it was just like, okay, well, those are disposable. Let's just like break those and I won't have to show up in my life for a while. And mm. I think it just like hit me after that experience, like, of just how, like, how close we can come to not getting to not getting to be here anymore and Mm. and like whether and I mean I definitely you know I I came pretty close to not wanting to play music anymore at points in my life and and so I I feel really grateful to be like alive and living and creating in that way but I've you know that in that moment it was just like okay I could literally just slip off a cliff right now and um, and I think just realizing that, like, I I, ha- like, I have to trust my body and trust that it can support me and, and hold me. And then I have to take care of my body, too. I can't ever, like, I have to take care of my mind so that I don't think that I can just, like, hurt myself in order to, yeah. you know, because I'm afraid to make certain decisions that I need to make.
1: Whew. This feels like a huge realization. It's really exciting. And what a great song, How Bad I Want to Live.
0: Another really cool like thing about that song and just the process of recording that with Shelby and Joel is that that's uh, Shelby Means and Joel Timmons who, who are singing harmonies on that. And Joel is quite an adventurous friend. And he actually had uh, recommended that Ethan and I go and hike the Kalalau Trail. <laughs> and so... It was just so full circle that that we went and we went and hiked to this trail and had this experience and Joel had been there like, you know, I don't know 8 or 10 years before. And then then Joel got to got to come over to the basement and and sing on this song. It was it was really
1: special. His plan all along.
0: Yeah, his plan all <laughs> along was that we'd have a really <laughs> freaky time and that he'd get to sing some harmonies. <laughs>
1: track is dogs run on and you say this song is for all the best dogs running through our hearts forever and i will tell you i've cried many times like listening to this song watching the video thinking about this song i was looking up um so you wrote this song about um a couple of your family dogs growing up sylvie being one of them who's the one that's passed away most recently and then what was the um the first pup's name georgia georgia okay um Yeah, so I got to meet Sylvie, and she was awesome. I think I told you that I was going to steal her, because <laughs> I loved her so much. But I was, like, looking at pictures of her last night, just being like, oh, man, what a great dog. Yeah. When
2: I get home, I'll go to the lake. Watch the show on the water the sunset makes. It'll be a little too cold to swim, but we can sit and think about. if it's one of those parks where they don't allow dogs. Like old times we won't read that sign. If no one sees
0: us there's no I don't know if I really was thinking about dog songs in particular or animal songs and in, in writing Dogs Run On, but I think that I would say that a writer like John Prime really liberated me to think about Not holding back from using any any word that like occurred to my imagination while I was writing. Like, you know, he can write about like ice cubes and bathtubs and and make it feel like it belongs. And so, I guess I just figured I could write about sniffing logs and try to make it feel like it belonged. And so I don't know if it's. yeah I don't I don't know I wasn't really like thinking as much through a catalog of or memory of of dog songs as I was just the kind of chances that that a songwriter like like John Prine takes um when I was when I was writing this song and kind of getting some inspiration from that that uh yeah those those like leaps of faith of of different different words and senses like like why can't this why can't this word feel poetic or why can't why can't this uh why can't this activity find a place in a song you know I think just just find finding a place for it so yeah talking about throwing skippers and sniffing logs was uh I, I kind of felt I kind of felt um that uh that, that was my connection, I guess just in in the, in this way so less of a dog song and more of a or less of the catalog of dog songs and more just going out on a limb with experiences in in the world and experiences of your senses or enjoyable experiences that might feel like they would never belong in like an academic poem, but they sure belong in a song It's
2: not a trick of the eye.
1: the The next song is Not a Trick of the Eye and it addresses violence and ultraviolet light. For those who don't know, I didn't know, but this is something that you're really obsessed with. Creatures like butterflies and bees can see ultraviolet light and rely on it, but humans cannot sense it it's beyond our ability and gives power to a person who is witnessing brutality to name the violence that they see and you said that the song's not about any one particular incident but there like may have been videos circulating showing people being killed namely like black people by police officers and others And then having it kind of like explained away, like we're not seeing what we're actually seeing. Like, you know what I mean? Like you'll without even trying, you know, we've probably seen like half a dozen videos like this in the last 10 years and people just like getting exonerated or not even going to trial just because it's like, oh, even though there's a video, it's not it's not actually what we're seeing but just wondering like how does that resonate in this song
0: yeah I think it's um I'm trying to like cut past that part of disbelief and like I think in the same way like with flowers um where it's just like no like this is what we're seeing and kind of like to cut away all the what were they doing it's like the question of like oh like well what was she wearing when this happened or what time of day was it you know what were they selling you know all of these questions that are like that doesn't seem like a relevant question someone was just shot
2: mm.
0: someone was hurt like someone's lo- someone just lost their life and in in this song i'm trying to make this story where the the person the character in the story is like you know they're saying goodbye to someone they're saying good night they're saying good night at the beginning of the song and the end of the song but like there's no reason for goodbye like like they just thought they were saying good night they were maybe going out to like run to the gas station or something or pick up some beer you know go for groceries or whatever and and just like why like well why why do all of these other questions even get to be a part of this? Like somebody was killed. Like if we're asking all these other questions, like there must be some other thing. There must be some other like wall that we're seeing this through or some other like veil or some color to this whole scenario that we're seeing. And it's like, Oh, well maybe I want like, I wonder if it's, if we're seeing everything through, institutionalized racism or you know Mm. like it's just like what there's there's like all these i feel like all these questions that or this all of this disbelief that we have sometimes it's just like i'm just trying to like ask myself and interrogate myself like harder and um and i want all of us to do it Mm. as best we can to like eradicate like face face the systems that we've invented and dismantle them Because Mm. innocent people shouldn't die and then have really irrelevant questions asked about the scenario.
1: I Don't Ask Trees definitely stuck out for me listening to it, namely the lines. I don't ask trees why they need so much time to grow. I don't ask hearts why they need so much time to know.
2: When I see you fly so free and far For me, he said, it's just too hard How I cried that night when I clipped my so
1: he could be there when i say. it's a song about continually looking for self-compassion for yourself through the lens of like a past abusive relationship and this song ties into the theme of visibility and what we choose to see and name and that healing is not linear what's been your experience with acknowledging and naming that the healing process is complicated and not a straight line.
0: I guess my experience has has just been to keep going. <laughs> like to there's there's no there's no completion, I guess, to certain certain parts of certain parts of myself or certain parts of my life that I've I've longed for some kind of like very neat closed completed tie the ribbon around it kind of thing i think i just get a lot of inspiration from from nature and just seeing the the cycles of death and fungus <laughs> like eating the, the you know like the stuff that's being nourished because it's because it has died like you know what are the places in me that like the things that i've i've had to let go and let die and then like what has that made fertile ground for mm. like for something else to come and be you know blooming or and then if something's not ready to be like growing and blooming yet like maybe it's just a seed it's mm-hmm. not it's not like it's not that season
2: yet the so they need so much time to grow I don't
1: song margaret you were listening to a podcast with margaret atwood can you talk about like what was that podcast and more about like the energy and feeling you had after you heard it
0: yeah i have to look up what it was i can't remember what the podcast was called but she was talking it was like super early pandemic like this must have been march or april or may or something i don't know 2020 and she was talking about her like her daily life and, and what was going on and the friends she was trying to keep in touch with and the squirrels in her ceiling and like, <laughs> yeah and I, I don't know, like for some, I guess because I, I just like, I'm like, wow, like sh- she just, she must be like in some tower somewhere, like just totally like in her own world of, you know, making up some amazing fiction and, She's just like you know, in her kitchen looking at squirrels, like the rest of us. And, <laughs> and I, I don't know. It was so like she was so, like human and and so funny. I was talking to somebody recently, and and like came up with a term of like a timestamp. Like I feel like using her name on that song was a timestamp for me because it helps me remember that moment and like that place in the pandemic. And she's certainly in the song and and that for some reason that interview with her like was a catalyst for me to finish the song but uh, the song is very much about my grandmother also and I think my grandma knew that right away when she heard the song but (laughs) but I kind of like that that there's distance for my grandma too and that like there's another name on the song that is like that's a pure like early pandemic song of of uh, just sitting on my steps out in the sun writing a waltz for yeah. my grandma <laughs> listening to
1: podcasts it's like uh margaret to me has like a lot of bruce springsteen patty griffin vibes it's like the second time bringing up patty griffin but um cool. What's the uh like the Lorraine? Except that's a very mm. sad song, or making pies or something, like very tragic figure. But this lady in this song is very sweet. There's like one part where it sounds like she's like giving you life advice where she says, What mm-hmm. can I say? Just be good to your sweethearts and gardens. Be good to your dogs, of course, uh, and mm-hmm. your faraway friends. I wanna know if, if that's like actual advice that your grandmother or maybe Margaret Atwood gave you. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: I would say not exactly in those in those words, but especially thinking about faraway friends. Like my my grandma has maintained very very incredible friendships. She's she's in her early 90s, and she's maintained these incredible friendships with people in many different places around the world. People who she knows very well that she will never see again in person and just because she's not going to travel to them and they're not going to travel to her. And she just continues to show up. It's like, I think so many times like I can get kind of hung up on this detail of like, yeah, but when am I going to see them again? Like in person and, and, and hang out the way we always did, you know? And I think just realizing that there was some such value to my grandma in like maintaining friendships with full knowledge that you're not going to see them again like you're not going to hang out like you did when you were in your 60s and you happened to be in Scotland at the same time or something and it's but now you're just you're just letting each other know how you're doing and like maintaining a friendship because of that present moment and not because of like this imagined future so that that is definitely uh a part of and and the the bits about like change and just like we have to like my grandma is a very 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 present person and she's very she has lived through very very sudden tremendous loss in her life and she is so resilient and and seeing the seeing how she's navigated change and and navigated like, the entire ground, like, shifting beneath her, like, many times over, and, and, and I just feel so, like, I don't know, like, in her presence, she, like, her, her resilience is this, like, towering resilience to me, like, when I'm in her presence, I'm just, like, oh, my gosh, like, <laughs> like, I feel, I just feel, like, such a little kid, Do you like, you sure. know, yeah. I, that, like, wow, like, I have, I have so much, so so much like I hope I get to live decades and decades and decades to just like learn some of these things and then knowing that with living many decades comes so much loss and you know knowing how many friends she's already lost and and family members and 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 it's just yeah and and just seeing that that's like a part of a part of life but it's still like very important to get up in the morning and like get dressed and have your cup of coffee and then oh she opens a bottle of wine at 5 p.m and pours herself a glass of wine because oh yeah like you got you gotta like you gotta love your life and yeah. <laughs> and just do your do your best and she's just so grateful
1: does she want to hang out with me probably yeah all right, that sounds great. I'll be she, right there. She doesn't, like
0: to, she doesn't like to travel too much anymore, but I'm sure you could come over to the patio.
1: All right. <laughs> I, mean, I just gassed up my car, so it's yeah. a good time for me. What can I say? Just be good to your
2: sweethearts and gardens. Be good to your dolls.
1: Uh, never on the map obviously this is my favorite opening line of all time in the hidden hills of Pittsburgh way up above the street and i'm trying to imagine where that is and i wonder if it's in the south side slopes or mount washington or millvale do you remember this is just like for my own edification do you remember what part of town you're in it
0: might might be in south side there's like so this was actually it was like a, like a squat, like a, like a train hopper squat and it was called landslide. So if you can ask around and find out okay. where landslide is. Like
1: 2008? Exactly. Okay. I was trying to do the math cause you're 18 in the song. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also like thinking about like the technology that you had at 18 years old to travel around the country and like, I cannot imagine. Can you imagine like doing that now? Like... I mean never mind like the dangers or anything that's happening like traveling around with like a like a Garmin GPS or like printed out MapQuest directions and it just sounds it sounds crazy to me
0: yeah we had um so my friend Corey had a cell phone like a flip phone and we had an atlas and um that's about it <laughs> <I forgot. laughs>
1: yeah it was it was so great you said about this song that it's about like traveling busking all over the country like just playing at farmers markets anywhere you could set up and put your guitar case um you said that time and those people are really important to who I am as a musician today can you expand on how those times shaped your musicality
0: yeah I I mean I think it's the this idea that we have to just show up and and that and open ourselves to people being open to music like that, that we to not, um, not put any, I don't know, like not climb inside of any genre boxes and, and try to stay there too tightly. And to, I mean, we were playing like Johnny Cash songs and like old time fiddle tunes and just anything we could think of it. And, and, and And people will be like, wow, I've never heard this kind of music before or like, oh, my gosh, I love I love this song. Like, could you do Ring of Fire or I guess like the presentness and enthusiasm for for music that just exists and and how wonderful like music out in the open can be with no artifice and no real no stage, no separation no tickets (laughs) like people are they're just walking by and they can stay longer if they want they can throw some money in the case if they want uh in a way it kind of feels like what the music industry is now it's like the music's out there and we're all just like walking by all the millions of songs that are out there and if we want to like throw money in the case we can so in a way it kind of maybe prepared me for that and then at the end it just comes down to like relationship and I mean, there are so many people that in in the time, in the months of my life that I've been busking and traveling like that, there were so many people who like we met them on the street and ended up like like staying at their house, you know, or and just becoming friends with them, like meeting meeting their people. And uh, I mean, I I remember this is on a a separate busking trip, but you know, like just camping camping on these cliffs like for two days and then like making friends with a bunch of architecture students who then took us to their hometown and like I don't know just the the networks and the and how like chance based like everything is Mm. like of who who you it's just like who walks by one time I was busking in Dublin and like I met Hillary Clinton because like she was like, <laughs> she was just like there. She was like, I guess, it, I don't know. She was like the secretary of state at the time. And, and she was just, yeah, like on Grafton street in Dublin. And so I just like, <laughs> like some Irish, this was some Irish person like ran by and they were like, I think you want to go around the corner. Like somebody big is over there. And we're like, who is it? We're thinking it's like some kind of like musician or something that we would really want to meet. Bono and and it's and then like Hillary Clinton walks out of this pub and and we're just standing there we're like um hi we're like we're Americans and she was like oh I can tell by your accents and then she like shook our hands and that was it but it was just like you know you just never know like what is gonna I don't know who's gonna walk by and and what like funny thing I mean my friend my that was with my friend Jacob and like like we laugh about that to this day. We're like, and then Hillary Clinton walks out <laughs> of this pub. <laughs> so it's you know, it just it's just taught me to, I guess, just like show up and and not. I, I take songwriting very seriously and and like the craft that I do and I and I love it so much. But I guess just to balance that light and darkness kind of thing and and balance the craft of it with the kind of happenstance chance like kind of whatever we're just all walking down the street of life and maybe somebody's playing music at the end i don't know
2: (laughs) (laughs) if walls could talk
1: well i'd be asking anybody up top with any better ideas about where to go from here Washes out of diamonds this is a song about wealth inequality and rising seas that you referred to a little bit earlier so when you started writing it, it was taking you to a really dark place. So you changed your approach and then made something lighthearted. And there's something to me that sounds like very, like, old-timey, like, from the Great Depression, where there's often, like, difficult messages delivered in kind of, like, can't be cheerful ways. You know, like, uh, mm-hmm. you know the um, Pete Bernhard's band, Devil Makes Three? Mm-hmm. That, like they make that kind of music that's like it reminds me of like animated disney skeletons from like the 40s or something that's kind of the vibe i get from watches out of diamonds and we did talk about uh a little bit about like how it like helps to deliver that kind of um kind of hard message in in a in a like a way that's that's musically kind of the opposite of like what the message is. So what about like this particular approach in Watches Out of Diamonds, did you find like relatable in writing this song?
0: So I, when I wrote this song, I, I, when I kind of made like a demo of myself, just, you know, upstairs in the house before we moved downstairs (laughs) to the basement to actually record it. But when I was upstairs making a, a demo, I I was like just stomping on the floor like as I was playing it just like keeping this um, like as if it was a kick drum or you know a bass drum just just stomping and and having that steady beat and and kind of playing a sort of jangly sounding guitar and actually feeling kind of like I was a uh, like a street busker or something or maybe like an animated skeleton an animated skeleton yeah (laughs) And then, you know, then I got to play a kazoo solo on here. So yes. it's just kind of like, yeah, like, all right, like global warming. Let's play kazoo about it. <laughs> I want it to be catchy because I want, I want people to listen. And then I want, I want people to hear the music first. And then I guess just like let the words sink in and be able to like continue with their day and not have like... Paralyzing existential dread, and then that's also what I wanted for myself. I didn't want paralyzing existential dread, so I was like, okay, I need to like wrap this song up and go make dinner. So I'm gonna do it this way. Lay face (laughs) down on the floor for the rest of
1: the night.
0: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so much. Like, maybe I'm just like a super sensitive person, but like, there's just so much like insane stuff <laughs> mm. swirling around and like that we're just faced with and i think i'm just trying to find find some balance for like what can my like one human heart hold what can my human body hold mm. what can i hold in my life how much of this do i how much of this can i personally like carry with me every minute of the day and how much can i kind of ask my community to hold with me or how much can i ask society to hold with me and like what's the difference between all of that and I think that's part of like trying to figure out ways to ways to say what I want to say but not be completely so wrecked that I don't want to sing it anymore Mm. or something yeah I don't know
2: I gotta hand it to me it's a good machine spots and watches out of diamonds long as it's making parking spots and watches out
1: of diamonds this next song is you don't need me and i listened to it and then read your commentary and then i was like i need to send this to lizzie no who is (laughs) another host here on basic folk and also a touring musician I just like needed to talk to her about it you need someone who's still
2: afraid to send the letter that she wrote
1: someone afraid of the
2: water afraid of the boat
1: you need someone
2: who believes you when you tell her that she needs you tell her you're the only
1: way tell her it's crazy but it's true but you don't This song is about artists navigating relationships within the music industry, and in your commentary, you say like it could. It also seems like it's about like like a romantic relationship, and the narrator is describing themselves in the past, um, the things they believed, the things they agreed to, the treatment they tolerated, the boundaries they put aside, rather than like talking about how the industry is like abusive and manipulative can you talk about like what it's like to be standing where you are looking back and being done with that part of your career
0: yeah I mean the things that have shifted for me are I guess like believing that certain gatekeepers and doorways were like the only way to do it I guess like that you know I I decided that I wanted to have I wanted to make my own label and I and I did that, and this is the third album now that I'm putting out myself. And I want to do that because I want to treat everybody in my circle, all the musicians that I hire to play on my records. I want to know that if the as the tide would ever rise for me as an artist, I want it to rise for everybody who helps me to make my music. I don't, I mean, there's there's like no money left for artists. In many of the older models of the music industry, there were a lot of people who were able to make a living and and those people were not necessarily like the musicians themselves or yeah, I guess I guess it's just kind of questioning like the like clamoring over each other for trying to get um, notoriety and certain, I don't know, like PR campaigns and you know, who gets to be on basic folk and talk to Cindy house. And, but, um, but like, I don't know, I was just talking to another friend about this that, that who she was just like really, really disappointed with a couple uh, situations that she's facing right now um, in the music industry with some people she's working with and just reflecting on like how much she loves the people but how much she doesn't love the company that they work for or what they just think they have to do because that's how it's always been. And, and like, we're all doing this in some way because we love music, not because we want to like hurt people. (laughs) And there's other layers of it too. But I guess from, from this place, it's, it's like, I'm more sure than ever that I want to, that I want to make, music for the rest of my life in some way but I guess I'm just like looking for less permission you know and I'm looking I'm not looking for somebody to tell me that like it's that I have to tour a certain number of days and hit the major markets a certain number of times or fly across the country to do a certain you know thing just or that like it's all gonna vanish like it's just like a scarcity mindset and like a fear-based mindset a lot and I think it's like super toxic and it's like counter to I guess like why we all maybe not all of us but like many of us come to music because it's like it heals us in a way and then to be in a place where like the thing that at one time like healed you and was healing to you and was a healing practice is suddenly like destroying you mm-hmm. <laughs> is like like really really heavy and like of all the really truly heavy shit in the world like does like is are we gonna like let that be the only option like that that's like we have to sacrifice like the f- that this was a healing part of our lives I, so i'm i'm like looking for a more like a more interdependent like i'm not trying to be like just me nobody I don't need anybody kind of thing like that's not it's not like I don't need anybody it's just like you don't need me like whatever that model is it's fine like they're gonna be fine like they don't need they just don't need me like I'm not gonna be a part of it like I don't want to hate music (laughs) I want (laughs) to love music and I want I want music to like to yeah I want to I want to be there for for Mm. the songs when they want to be written I don't want to be like no sorry like I'm in too much pain from a thing that I thought was nice (laughs)
1: yeah well it's it's something that that Lizzie was pointing out to me is that you don't need me works both ways like it works for the artist versus the interest industry but it also works for the industry versus the artist you know Mm. it's very like totally powerful metaphor
0: yeah I, I can see that that could work both ways
1: yeah one more song. This song is called Leftover Tears, and it has Kaya Cater singing on this track, and your voices together are like the best blend I've heard in a really long time. It's just like... Mm. If it's what you need, any road
2: can be walked alone. I just thought this might be a place to walk each other home.
1: I've heard the two of you sing together or not, but whoever's idea was brilliant. So good. About this song, Leftover Tears, is this song optimistic or pessimistic, and why did you choose to close the album with this? Hmm. I think it's
0: optimistic. Like, the Leftover Tears from the day I was born is, to me, is like kind of imagining in a very like... I don't know like sci-fi not real way like as you know that moment like if all of us could be together as just like crying screaming babies like just new to the world and then we're like now here we are with this world that we've constructed and all of these again with you know just the, the the ideas and concepts that humans have invented and and this is where we are but like the it's like wait wait but just for a second like what about like those tears and like the the way that like, when you're born to this world, like, the tears are, like, in a way, like, we inherit this world that, like, we didn't set up this way or something. Like, we mm-hmm. were born and we don't, we don't get to, like, we didn't, like, design the world before we got here. We, like, show up and then we're kind of left to, like, either uphold the world the way it is or, like, change parts of it. But I guess just like realizing that that's kind of like a responsibility or something or, or an opportunity to.
1: Yeah, there's the, <laughs> the optimistic or the pessimistic. Is it a responsibility right. or an opportunity? I guess it just depends on your perspective.
0: Yeah, or maybe just even the like noticing that changes that have happened are because somebody pays attention in, to it and notices and cares and invests time and energy to organize around making a change and if changes don't happen then stuff stays the way it is hmm. and and not that that's like the way it's supposed to be that's just the way it is I guess it's just like it's hope hope that we can be more
1: human together and scene <laughs> are you ready to do the lightning round again yeah okay here we go my devitri, what is the song that makes you cry every time? Oh. Um
0: The one that comes to my mind right now is um uh The House Where Nobody Lives by uh or The House Where Nobody Lived Tom Waits. Mm,
1: good one. Who is your guitar hero?
0: Guitar hero? Currently my guitar hero is Chris Eldridge who mm. I got to... Yeah, he uh, he plays on Dogs Run On, but also I, I got to... I was doing like an online guitar class for a couple weeks um, over the winter, and he was like a guest teacher um, one of the sessions. And just his, his approach to, to music in general and, and to guitar is
1: really wonderful. What is your favorite scented candle? Um... I love the
0: happy dragon candle. Go on. <laughs> it's called happy dragon. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't even know what scent it is. Is that it's, that's it's, the it's name happy of dragon. the scent?
1: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I I can find out. Okay, maybe, wonderful. But... <laughs> yes, our listeners are dying to know. Um, what is one product that you cannot live without? A product. Um. mm,
0: Uh, the first thing I think of is like olive oil.
1: (laughs) 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 Uh. Um, What is your favorite musical? Um,
0: I love I love the music. Um, let's see, I love the music from like Les Mis. Mm, Mmm, depressing. I know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) On (laughs) brand. (laughs) <laughs> What's uh when's the last time you cried when you were watching a movie or a TV show? Oh man, I just watched all of Star Wars
0: and <laughs> cried multiple times. <laughs> Great. Like I I had never watched I had never watched any Star Wars before and um yeah, just watched
1: all of them. What is your favorite brand of sweatpants? Brand? I don't
0: no, um,
1: that's very on brand.
0: Any anything, <laughs> anything from uh,
1: goodwill <laughs> <laughs> Okay, here is the last question. Where do you want to go once travel restrictions worldwide are lifted? Hmm. I want to go to Iceland.
0: Mm, have you been? No, but I just want to sit in like some hot springs and there, and chill. <laughs>
1: I want that for you.
0: Thank you. That sounds really good. <laughs> and visit Th- Thor, who played harmonica on the record. <laughs> oh hell yeah!
1: <laughs> yeah, Maya Divitri, congratulations on the new album, Violet Light. Uh, it's really great, great album. And thanks for coming on Basic Folk. You're the best, L- literal best. Thank you
0: so much. Thank you so much for having me, Cindy. It's nice to talk to you.
1: This episode of Basic Folk was produced by me, and I did a great job. Our music is composed by Alex Stanton. You can find all of the episodes of Basic Folk wherever you find podcasts or basicfolk.com. Thanks a lot for listening all the way to the end. You're great, and we like you so much. Talk to you next time. Okay, mm, bye. Bye.